Welcome to the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast, making art work. We highlight how entrepreneurs align their artistry, passion, and vision to create and pursue opportunities to capture value in the arts. The views expressed by guests on the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast are solely their own and do not necessarily represent the views of the podcast or its hosts. The appearance of a guest on the podcast, the venture they represent, or reference to any product or service does not imply an endorsement or recommendation by the podcast or its hosts. The content provided is for entertainment and informational purposes only and does not constitute business advice. Here are your hosts, Andy Heiss and Nick Petrella. Hi, Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast listeners. My name is Andy Heiss. And I'm Nick Petrella. We're really excited to have Hillary Gent with us today. She's a Cleveland-based artist who also owns Hedge Gallery and Hedge Event Planning at 78th Street Studios. Her paintings can be found in many private collections around the U.S. and in public collections, including the Cleveland Clinic, American Heart Association, and Hilton Hotels Corporation. We'll link to her businesses in the show notes so listeners can learn more about the breadth of her activities. Thanks for being on the podcast, Hillary. Thanks for having me. So does your background as a painter help or hinder you as a gallery owner and why? You know, for instance, do you look at art more critically maybe mm. than other gallery owners who aren't artists? It, I think it helps me, yeah, in the sense of looking at work critically, but also in a sense of understanding um, what artists are going through when they're creating and when they're trying to develop a body of work. Um it's, it's one of the hardest things to do. What, to be approached by a gallery or museum and say, you know, we want to show your work is this incredible opportunity. Um, but sometimes it's very intimidating. But I think it helps me because I, I can identify with what they're going through. You know, the struggles of like, oh, I've got artist block or I, uh, you know, I made these three pieces, but not 100% yeah. if they're finished yet. Can you help me? So um, I do a lot of studio visits with people. And I have, I did one yesterday in an outdoor studio space with a sculptor. And today I have one in a painter's studio. Um, so I think it helps. I want to go to studio visits. I want to see like yeah. the nitty gritty of where they make and kind of get dirty with them. It's, you know, get paint on my shoes. That's okay. Because um, I'm in that world too. And I think learning their process, understanding their process is just as important as the final product. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps me sell work more too. And I can talk about their studios or even we've hosted small events in people's artist studios Mm -hmm. um, where we invite, you know, 10 to 20 people in to experience where they make their um, paintings, sculpture, et cetera. So I think it helps. Definitely. I don't, I don't, I don't think it hinders. Yeah. So seeing them in their environment, that kind of gives you a look into their psyche. In their natural habitat. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Oh, they're some of the best places. We've done photo shoots in people's studios. And um, I think, honestly, the public wants to see those spaces. Absolutely. So I think about like the end of the semester shows that happen at, you know, at at the Art Institute here. Where they open up all the all the the studios and people come through, they, and that's what I tell students all that. It's like they want to see your space, they want to talk to you, they want to hear from you, they want to know about your work. Like that's why they're there. Like otherwise, they wouldn't come. Right, <laughs> the engagement. Right. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I love a studio visit at a college, or are you going in and see the BFA shows and then exactly, going behind yeah. the scenes yeah. to see. I did that a lot, in like mid two thousand fourteen through fifteen sixteen when I was. Um, selecting people to be part of the gallery. So 
I would say it's a pretty wide range of uh, people that graduated around that time period, but also people that have been making art in Cleveland for 30 years. So, sure. um, I, in, oh. you may have you may have mentioned this, but how long has uh, Hedge been around? 13 years. 13 years. Okay, great. Um, and so what's the hardest part about running the gallery in the event space? Um, I still get really nervous opening a show. <laughs> You know, we're presenting this new body of work. And although we do like teasers coming up, yeah, I do a newsletter, at least one or two and send out press releases. You just, you aren't sure how people are going to respond. And for every show I want, obviously to make sales, that's to me is not, it's, it's one of the most important parts of the exhibit. Um, and so, yeah, just not knowing how people are going to respond or if they're going to respond at all, um, definitely is, is nerve wracking. Um, Thankfully, we do have this incredible and very diverse clientele um, that supports us in all different kinds of ways. So I, I would say we've never had like a flop show. Thankfully, that's awesome. <laughs> so do you get um, nervous whether it's you or someone you represent? Is it the same? It's the same. It doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. Okay. Yeah, it's it's kind of I, it, running any kind of event, an art opening included. It's kind of like theater where, you know, the curtain opens and everything's mm. got to look perfect to the, the, um, the audience. And mm-hmm. it might not be, you know, things might be off or you might be yeah. fixing them right as people walk in the door. But um, it, you want to present it that way. And I, I think that's always my, my goal. Um, and it's an experience for people, too. If, yeah. if you've never been to an art opening, you know, they're kind of these grandiose things where some people are really dressed up and you see you know, lots of zeros on a price tag and they feel fancy. So yeah. you, you want people to have a positive experience. So at least me as Hedge Gallery, I never want people to f- come in and feel intimidated um, or that the art isn't accessible to them. So for me, it's this balance of not only making sure everything is beautiful and, uh, you know, as perfect as I can make it in terms of presentation, but also that our visitors feel welcomed um, and that they don't feel like they're walking into this, you know, kind of stale, cold white box space that only mm-hmm. is meant to be for certain individuals. Right. Yeah. Um, so I guess that kind of plays into my nerves is does everybody feel that, or at least mm-hmm. are most of the people walking in the door feeling that in some way? And then how do I reach them? You know, there's that con- continued yeah. like, battle for me is, is someone interested in my not talking to them enough or have I given them, you know, the, the detailed story to the point where maybe they're going to make a purchase. Um, mm-hmm. so that there's just a lot of, of nuances that play into, uh, my nerves and yeah, opening. So more nervous as a, as a host, mm-hmm. right? So more empathy, uh, for, and the reason I ask, Andy's a musician, I'm a musician, and you know, there's always a slight bit of apprehension when you go out, but I find myself actually nervous if my wife or my son is performing. Oh. Right? So it's actually, <laughs> yeah. you know, if I'm doing it, it's like, okay, that's one thing, but no, yeah. you know. Anyway, yeah. so, so. You know, I you, think I've, I've gotten confident in my own work lately in the past couple of years to a point where maybe I'm not as nervous for myself. Maybe I don't care if you guys don't like it, whatever, you know, but um, more for other people because I'm I'm representing them. Yeah. 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 It'll find a home. May not be your home, but it'll find a home. Right. 
So you've been staging public art exhibitions and working with urban planners to help enrich communities. And that's something you alluded to in, in an earlier answer. What can you share about your experiences that will help others in the U.S. and abroad with similar goals? Um, I know for a fact that bringing art and artists, makers, artisans into a community, especially one that is just um, rejuvenating, is an extremely important part of uh, building business and awareness. And so I've seen that happen over the last 13 years uh, with my gallery, but with also our larger entity, 78th Street Studios. So in terms of urban planning, the arts is an incredible way to enrich the neighborhoods and connect people in the neighborhoods. Um, you know, a lot of our events are free. So art openings, you're not paying a ticket price to come in. So there's no, you know, elite status that you have to be a part of. You can come experience these as a family with a stroller and your dog, <laughs> or you can come experience them, you know, as a date night or just as a collector, an art collector. So you're reaching um, diverse audiences when you bring the arts into a community, even if it's not a permanent location that you're building. It could just be this, you know, pop-up that's being put into an empty storefront. Um, to reinvigorate it for a few months or over the holidays or something. Um, so there are so many ways that I think urban planners continue to need, need to look at artists, makers, um, curators as people that can reinvigorate neighborhoods. Um, yeah, what was the other part of the question? Sorry. Well, just what, what, what can you share about your experiences that will help others? So if they wanted to do mm. this in cities where they are, whether it's in the U.S. or abroad... Yeah. I mean, I think to take advantage of especially empty storefronts, if they're available, um, if you're creative in any way, look at it, especially if you're an artist, look at it as a way to um, not only gain exposure for your work because you're going to show it in front of, you know, thousands, potentially thousands of people that walk by, um, but also to maybe recreate a space and help um, real estate agents or neighborhood development companies see how important the visual arts and the other art forms. I mean, theater, music, you can do this with just about any art form, but how they um, really do help recreate a neighborhood and bring an energy in that sometimes just regular retail. And I hate to say that because there are a lot of retail establishments that um, I admire what they do in terms of marketing, but sometimes artists go above and beyond to create something really dynamic. Yeah. It's personal. Mm-hmm. It makes me think too. Uh, I don't, there's you know lots of examples of that happening in cities all across the U.S. and around the world. I'm sure um, where you know the artists move in and sort of make the place vibrant, and then all of a sudden the artists can't afford to stay there anymore because right. things have developed. So I'm wondering how, how do we think about that, that, that notion of equity, you know, if the artist is helping to build it, shouldn't they also have a part of the, you know, the gains from that or how Absolutely. do, how do we, you know, how do we help? You know, anyways, how do you keep it going rather than saying, okay, now it's time for you to go find somewhere else. Well, I think, know? I think a lot of it is the artist's responsibility to say I'm worth this and this. And so in order to, 
you know, bring me into this space. Here is my, my fee. Yeah, I have done several free art exhibits. I'm not going to lie. But I learned over the years this exposure thing uh, that people like mm-hmm. to throw at you when you're an artist. Oh, this is going to give you such great exposure. Wonderful. I know it is. But I also have a worth. Yeah. And this is what my labor fee is to install this incredible, you know, installation in your storefront or all the work is going to be for sale and um, I need to be able to display marketing materials um, clearly and beautifully in the space as well so that people can contact me if they want to purchase something. Um, but I, I always think, you know, again, back to the budget and putting a proposal together. As a young artist, I never really thought about that. And I did a lot of exhibits in restaurants and bars and things like that. And yeah, they were exposure Um, But I wasn't selling work there. And I really wasn't gaining that much exposure. It just made their walls look pretty. So you have to think about, one, the space and why they're asking you to be there as an artist or why you want to be there. Um, You know, if it's a space that I think an artist would work, would engage well in, then, yeah, let's think about why it needs to belong there. But they're there's a fee associated with that naturally. So I think that's something that needs to get built into the artist's mindset and the communities and the communities just need to be educated. Yeah. But the artist needs to know that they aren't going to do this for free. Um, And I I think that just comes by realizing, you know, you're starting a business. If you are going to be exhibiting your work and selling it, that's a business. Um, Whether it's the business of the curator and the gallery that's representing you or your own think of it that way. Um, this, I hate the, I hate the term starving artist. That just annoys me. You don't have to starve. You, you don't, um, you might for a minute, um, (laughs) but you're not, you're not going to starve, you know, (laughs) we live in America. You can get two things of ramen noodles for $1.99 or whatever it is now, but like, you're not going to starve. And so stop thinking that way and stop allowing that mindset to control you. Um, you can have a dynamic, successful career as an artist. You may need to do other things on the side to balance it out. But over the years, I think artists will eventually gain this um, because there is a, a maker's movement, so to speak, where people are realizing, okay, we're supporting local people and their creativity. Yeah. Well, and I think too that if you if you look at it, if you have a, a bunch of inventory that maybe you don't have out, you could look at that placement as an imputed marketing cost, and then mm-hmm. you monetize or potentially market your or definitely market your inventory. And then when you're talking with these store owners or retail organizations, whatever, you're also building a network. So there's also the benefit of that as well. Absolutely, and sometimes those you know, restaurant owners or uh, people in hotels, et cetera, become clients. So again, a lot of it does fall on the artists themselves. You know, keep pushing those people, keep nudging them, keep sending them notes. Thank you for having me in your space. Would you consider this as a permanent piece? Mm -hmm. You know, price it at a a price point that is accessible, not that you don't so that you don't make any income, but that is accessible. You know, you can't just put a $10,000 painting on the wall, expect everyone to go after it um, and and make a story for yourself. Sell your story. Sell the reason that people would be interested in what you do. Uh, And I've had to learn all that. I mean, I definitely learned the hard way. So I did everything wrong in the beginning. (laughs) But I'm glad I did. I wouldn't have learned otherwise. So Yeah. Uh, Well, we've reached the point of the interview 
uh, where we ask all of our interviewees the same three questions. Um, and so the first question is, uh, what advice would you give to someone wanting to become an arts entrepreneur? Um, <laughs> rethink it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you don't um, want competition. Yeah, right. No, no, no. <laughs> well, I would, I would start off by saying it, it is hard. You know, it's not this easy, I'm going to make art all day and paint in my studio all day. But if you are up for the challenge, then one, um, network with as many other working artists and or, you know, curators, gallery owners, um, museum directors, anybody that you can touch base with, even if it's just a phone call or a quick coffee or something like that, gain as much um, information as you can from working individuals, because I think those are going to be your prime examples of things to do and things not to do. Um, and don't be afraid to fail because you're going to. I mean, naturally, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you're going to face um, a lot of opportunities where sometimes things just don't work out. So you just you have to you have to kind of get over the hump of being afraid and say, I'm going to do this. And I just know I'm going to probably fail a couple of times and that's OK. So, um, you know, have some backup modes of of. Um, employment so to speak so yeah yeah, so that multiple income multiple income thank you so much um so you know think about ways that you can kind of back up what you're doing so that when maybe something doesn't fall through you can you can lean on other employment uh opportunities yeah so that you don't starve (laughs) (laughs) what can we do to ensure the arts are more accessible and reaching the widest possible audience we as artists ourselves? Yes. I think it's very important to support uh, people who are taking their artistic careers seriously. So if that means, you know, going to their shows, going to their openings, maybe purchasing a piece from them. Um, and it doesn't have to be this giant piece of art. You know, if someone is making jewelry or designing ceramics, then, you know, consider buying something locally rather than on Amazon, especially during the holiday season. So many opportunities to shop locally with artists and makers. Um, so consider that. Consider supporting them because most likely that that's going to come back to you as a creator. So, Yeah. And, you know, one of your answers, you already said that it's free to go in the gallery. So access, you know, as long as people can get there. Exactly. It's exactly. Free. Go to the holiday events. Go to the you know the Black Friday, Small Business Saturdays. Um, those are going to make a difference in, especially in artists' life when they're putting themselves out there. Um, you know, they're not spending time with their family over the holiday weekend. They're they're working. And mm-hmm. So look at that as opportunities to support them um, and go visit their studios. I, I think that's another really important thing to do. If you see an artist whose work you really love, reach out to them. Can I pop in your studio sometime? We love that as artists. Um, See everything work in progress. Maybe pick something out uh, to purchase. So, Lastly, what is the best artistic or entrepreneurial advice you've ever been given? I was recently from a fellow artist who saw that I was very um, overwhelmed and uh, 
She said, just because you're good at something doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be doing it. And it was right what I needed to hear at that moment because I was doing too much. Um, and I had overextended myself and I was overwhelmed. And I was also a new mother. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you don't get a lot of sleep anyways. Mm-hmm. But it's so true. Um, I think to hone your creativity is one of the most important things you can do as a creator, whether you're a musician, an actor, um, a visual artist, hone it in. You're going to do a hundred things, sometimes multitask to figure it out. But once you've got it, hone it um, and, and own it because then things start to develop and progress. Great. This has been very insightful, Hillary. I, we, we know you have a hard cutoff, but we're really thrilled that you could uh, be with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Andy. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for your time. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Visit artsentrepreneurshippodcast.com to learn more about our guest and how you can help support artists, the arts, and this podcast. Mm-hmm.